I feel like both you and I also are kind of in a middle ground where we recognize, hey, if you're going to approach this like a sport, like you kind of got to do it as a sport sometimes. Um, And competition or shared suffering can sometimes bring that out of people. Like I said, I know you do the name game. I've done that, you know, similar style thing with my clients at least once or twice a week. And what it's generally once a week for most of the year. And then as we get closer to the open or quarterfinals or specific competition, you know, it might end up being two or three days a week, right? Because once you get to that point, you know, there's certain demands that regardless of what your current skill level is, you kind of have to do. And so I feel like we do that as well. So where maybe some other organizations fall solely on one side or the other, you know, I feel like we kind of uh, both utilize both aspects of that to help our clients kind of get the best results, in my opinion. Hey, it's Ben Wise, and this is The Fitness Movement. The fitness movement is brought to you by Soar Fitness. Soar Fitness is my company and my platform to deliver training content to coaches and athletes like you. The site has educational resources on everything from program design and exercise physiology to skill progressions and movement breakdowns. And in terms of programming, we have our online training program, The Protocol, and I also offer one-on-one remote coaching. It's all at one place, soarfitness.com. Chris, welcome back to the show. What's going on, Ben? So we have some news. We're basically going to deliver the punchline here, and then we'll back up and, and talk about it a little bit more. But um, you are now a Zwer Fitness coach. So congrats. How does it feel? Feels feels amazing, Ben. That's uh, what I've been waiting for my entire life. So uh, <laughs> no, it feels good. Cool, man. So yeah, I mean, basically the way I look at it is like we're joining forces, right? Where you were doing this on your own. And I think it's going to be sort of the best of both worlds for us. Cause like for you, you get to focus on instead of like all the business stuff, you get to focus on coaching athletes and, you know, you'll also maybe do some content creation and stuff for us. But like the main thing is going to be like, now you get to really focus on being a coach, which is obviously really cool. Um, do you see like other benefits of joining up? Yeah. I mean, from multiple avenues, right? Like you talked about it, the business side of things, um, you know, a lot of the social content creation, stuff like that is, is, is not a strength of mine. Um, especially being that, you know, as you know, I have my hands in a couple of different buckets right now. So, um, you know, I, I uh, didn't have the time or, or was for lack of a term, wasn't willing to set aside the time I should say to do that. Um, and try to take that away from other areas, especially coaching my clients. Um, but definitely with, I mean, we've been bouncing ideas off of each other for, I mean, years now. Um, and so I think to kind of combine forces in that regard as well. Um, and then on top of it, you know, you do stuff with, uh, the name game with, with, you know, setting workouts for your clients that are, um, Standardized might not be the right term, but kind of like everyone's doing relatively the same workout, let's call it once a week. I've done that with my clients before, but every coach has their programming biases. So, you know, where we can pull together and kind of pull different programming styles to get more exposure for our athletes. um, I think that's only going to help each one of our athletes for sure. Yeah. I mean, we were just talking about this before the call, but I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I see as a huge advantage is like, 
I've programmed every name game workout up to this point. And like for yeah. you and your clients, it's the same thing when you guys are doing your, your Saturday throwdown type thing. It's like, that's the exact same thing. Um, it's really nice to get a, a different coach's bias because everyone has a bias. It's like, you know, it's nice not to always have the exact same take on things and be able to, you know, frankly, have my athletes do something that isn't programmed by me is actually benefiting them a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And it should be like vice versa. It'll probably be the same thing, right? Like, I don't, I don't know what my biases is entirely. Like I probably had to do it to a certain degree, but a lot, a lot of it's probably um, unknown, but I mean, it's the same thing for, sh- for sure for you. So um, yeah, that, that's certainly one of the things that I see as um, benefits, you know, you kind of mentioned as well, like we, we were kind of having, like, we were calling on like mastermind calls, basically, like, you know, basically it was like two friends who coach CrossFit, who would get on calls and like talk through different stuff. And we basically like share different protocols for athletes, like talk about what things work or not work for skill work for certain things, you know, actually episode 43 of the podcast, when we talked through troubleshooting heavy squats, you know, they're similar to that type of thing, right? Like that's what we were talking through. So it's kind of like no brainer is to, you know, continue to do that, but have it be like even more strategic where it gives our athletes a distinct advantage. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, just to provide some background for folks, you know, this is something, I feel like it's something we've contemplated and talked about on and off for a while. I mean, again, years ago, you, you were getting started and, and I had hit a client load that I was like, I don't know if I could take on any more. And so I reached out to you and you're like, you know, I'd entertain it for sure. And then, you know, we never got, personally, I never got to that, uh, like that tipping point. Right. And then, you know, we went back and forth and we had talked about potentially coming together before, and then, you know, the time was kind of right now. So, um, yeah, it's definitely something that we've entertained in the past, um, as we've, we'll call it in parallel, tried to like kind of grow our coaching businesses. Um, and yeah, we've been kind of bouncing ideas off each other and, and discussing those things. And, um, you know, I think both of us are relative nerds when it comes to, you know, the, the fitness and the CrossFit side of things. So it allows for a good conversation, which again, in the end, just benefits the client, um, and kind of the, the experience that they get hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think you're super easy for me to get along with because we're very much alike, which, you know, uh, you know, I think we're alike and maybe like coaching, in the mindset around like a lot of that type of stuff, but like other skill sets outside of that are different. So it's complementary in that way. Um, For sure. In terms of like the, the front that the, the clients and the athletes actually see is pretty unified, which is exactly what you want. Yeah. So I kind of mentioned this before, but I think we have, you know, similar coaching styles, you know, could you maybe put your thumb on what that is exactly? Like how would you describe your coaching style? So I think, some of the similarities are, um, you know, we like to put a strong emphasis on program design and progressions and kind of setting long-term, you know, maybe not long, long-term, but kind of, you know, intelligent ways to get to an end goal. Right. Um, and I know for some people that should be like, like, duh, like that's kind of what comes with this, but you'd be surprised on how many people call themselves coaches and it's like, okay, we need to work on wall balls. So my progression is we just do a lot of those in EMOMs and hope that we get better. In addition to that, I think we both, or I at least really try to focus on on the movement side of things as well. You know, especially when you're looking at CrossFit as a sport and we both, we both are on the same page with this as this, you know, when looking at CrossFit as a sport, the best 
Yes, they do a lot of work and they do a lot of volume, but they're the most efficient in those movements. Um, and so a lot of time for people who are, you know, sub elite should be spent on developing the skills to make those movements feel as easy as possible. So you're not wasting energy. And then, you know, in addition to that, I like to coach the mental aspect of side of things, you know, I kind of look at it again, looking at it from an athletic perspective, that all plays into it. Right. And so, you know, what are your thoughts on game day? How do you fuel on game day? What are, you know, what, what thoughts are you telling yourself when you step up to the bar? You know, what, Hey, we keep having trouble doing this. You know, what, what are the mental pathways you have going on there? And, you know, I'd be lying if I said that those conversations happened with every client. Cause uh, you know, some clients for whatever reason might not want to get into the weeds on that, but for the ones that do, I, I feel like tend to see the most success or have the most improvement. Um, and so my coaching style tries to look at all three of those things. And then I feel like you and I are on the same page where we put a heavy emphasis on individual program design because we feel that every individual has certain skills that they need to improve on, or there's differences. You know, a great example is I have a client, you know, the standard cooker cookie cutter program is you do this on Monday, this on Tuesday. Well, I have a client who runs a meal prep business. And so like she's on her feet all day long on Sunday cooking and kind of stressing. And we noticed for weeks that her Monday sessions were like really subpar. And so, huh? Not th- okay. I'm going to cut you off. So Stacy Cadenas is one of my athletes. She's a coach okay. in the area and she runs a meal prep service. I never put it together, but her Monday snatch sessions were so bad for so long. Sorry, yep. Stacy. We, we fixed it. We moved, we, all we did, we, we, we flipped her AM and PM sessions on Monday and her snatches were great in the PM. And she's normally an AM person, but she's on her feet sure. for like eight hours a day on Sunday, prepping yep. meals all day. So that's super interesting. Please continue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and again, th- that kind of speaks to what we said earlier, right. Where it's like, oh, we could bounce ideas off of each other. And it's like, you'll say something that might light a light bulb, but like, yeah, in this particular instance, I was like, we can't go hard on Mondays. Like we just can't. Yeah. Um, I mean. I mean, we can, and she's super motivated and she'll run through a brick wall. But the thing is like, we're not, we weren't adapting. And so I've adjusted our Mondays to, so like I call it aerobic threshold work, but it's like that 60 to 70% aerobic, you know, long, easy monostructural type stuff. She does that in the AM and the PM is all her structural work, right? We place a heavy emphasis on building her upper body strength, pushing and pulling to improve her gymnastics. And so she does a lot of that bodybuilding work in the PM. So it's, it's very targeted and it's improving the things she needs to work on, but not the pounding on her joints that, you know, chest of bars in a Metcon would do or snatch position work. And then, and then we do all that on Tuesday and she feels great on Tuesdays, right? It's like, she has that day buffer. And so there's a lot of individualization that goes into that. However, I feel like both you and I also are kind of in a middle ground where we recognize Hey, if you're going to approach this like a sport, like you kind of got to do it as a sport sometimes, um, yeah. and competition and competition or shared suffering can sometimes bring that out of people. Right. Or, or I talked about the mental side of things. Sometimes people fold under that and that can be exposed in like a throwdown style thing. And so, I, like I said, I know you do the name game. I've done that, you know, similar style thing with my clients at least once or twice a week. And what it's generally once a week for most of the year. And then as we get closer to the open, or quarterfinals or specific competition, you know, it might end up being two or three days a week, right? Because 
once you get to that point, you know, there's certain demands that regardless of what your current skill level is, you kind of have to do. And so I feel like we do that as well. So where maybe some other organizations fall solely on one side or the other, you know, I feel like we kind of uh, both utilize uh, both aspects of that for, you know, to, to help our clients kind of get the best results, in my opinion. Yeah, I would totally agree. Uh, there's a few things that you mentioned, I think are really good. You know, one, I, I think like as a coach, I think both of us probably do this and I don't think it's always a conscious thing, which is probably good, but like, I sort of like mirror almost the expectations of my athletes. Like whatever they tell me that they want to do is typically what I mirror back to them as to like, this is where you're in alignment with or out of alignment with. So like, for example, you know, if you're, if you're an athlete who comes to me and says that you want to make it to a semifinal next year and you're sleeping six and a half hours a night, that is totally unacceptable. And like, we're going to have to have a conversation about it. Whereas if you're a mom of three and you want to compete and you want to get better and that's still the conversation, but it's like, Hey, like, you know, I'm going to have to be taking care of the kids and doing this and that and like running around and like, Hey, I have to be out the door at this time in the morning each day. It's like, Hey, you might be getting seven hours each night and a good night. And like, that's great. And like, if that's the context of the conversation, like, great. Like let's, let's work with what we have, but, Mm -hmm. and both of those people could be super competitive with themselves or within the community, but like the conversation is just different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, a lot of your listeners and especially your clients are, you know, you know, I've been on the podcast before, so they might've heard me before, but you know, they might be getting to know me more or, or get my, you know, anyone who's thinking about jumping in, might be like, okay, what's this guy about? Frankly, at the end of the day, I really don't care what your goals are. I don't like you can tell it doesn't matter to me. Whatever what your you goal is, yeah, <laughs> wh- whatever your goal is, my job is not to tell you whether that's a good goal or a bad goal, right? You know, there might be some conversation about like what it takes to get to that goal and the realisticness behind that, right? Like if someone tells me they've been doing CrossFit for eight years. And it's a guy and their squat clean, max squat cleans 185 and they want to make it to a semifinal. It's like, Hey bro, like you got to add about 120 pounds at least to that squat clean. And you've already been doing this for a decade. Like let's, let's reassess that. But more often than not, that's not the conversation for me. More often than not, the conversation is what do you want to do? Okay. This is what you want to do. Okay, cool. We're going to get the plan to, to go there. And then, like you said, it's recognizing things that are out of alignment, right? Uh, again, I have a client who, you know, her goal is to make it to that semifinal level, whether it's on a team or an individual or whatever. Um, and I've already told her like, Hey, we're getting closer to the point that like, you might want to find three really good people around you to like make a push. Yeah. Um, you might need to like, move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we're like, not that, there that's yet. That's probably the hardest conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that conversation like, doesn't have a lot, but Right. (laughs) But I'm like, we're not, we're not there yet, but I think team could be a great avenue for you, especially with what, what team asks uh, of an athlete. Right. Right. Um, But uh, she, she loves competing and almost like too much. Right. So it's like, I've had to talk her out of like, like it's a lot of like, Hey, my friend asked me to do this competition and it's like, Hey, I hear you we already have these four on the calendar. Yeah. Right. And it's like, if you want to go do that. And I, I say this, like, if you want to go do that, I'm cool. Like that doesn't bother me. 
but you told me this, these were your goals. Right. And if these are your goals, this is going to go in direct opposition of what, what your goals are. Right. Like, yeah. uh, you've done enough competing at the local level. Right. And so if you want to compete at a high level, you need to push to be at these high level competitions and continuing to do these, you know, monthly local competitions is not helping you anymore. It's not serving you anymore. So, um, yeah, a lot, again, we're in alignment with that. It's like whatever client comes in, whatever your goals are, are your goals. And it's not my job to tell you if it's a good goal or not, because it's your, it's your experience. And my job is to say, is to take that information and say, all right, I'm going to pour every ounce of me into trying to get you to that goal. Um, and kind of go from there. Yeah. And you know, sometimes it's, I, I get super excited too, if I'm working with someone like, and you know, they don't have a CrossFit goal, but they're super excited about something else and that's mm-hmm. their goal. Like mm-hmm. I'm super excited to work with them and help them to get them there. So like for me, and I'm curious as to what you think about this for me, like my ideal client, if I'm thinking about that is like, I just want you to take your fitness seriously mm-hmm. to be consistent and then pick something to work for. Right. And like work hard to get there. And if you're like serious about your goals and getting there, like, let's do it. Like, we'll figure mm-hmm. it out. Right. I feel like I'm enough of a generalist where I can help a lot of people. And I feel like, you know, you're something that's way out of bounds for me. I'm going to let you know that. And you probably won't even find me anyway. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> like, right, right. Do you have like a, an ideal client in your mind that somebody that like you really like working with? Yeah. I mean, I'd be lying to you if I wasn't partial to CrossFit. Right. Yeah, like, well, that's, same. Yeah. That's what I really like to do. And so I really get geeked up for that. But if I was to take like a macro approach, I really enjoy people just like you, people who take their fitness really seriously and are goal oriented. Yeah. As you, as I'm sure, you know, it is so, so hard to write progressions for people when it's like, all right, I missed two days. I asked for a five day workout schedule. I missed two days a week. The days I miss are always different. Uh, Hey, I made it in all five days this week. I wasn't in for any of the days last week. And it's like, it's so hard to write for someone like that. And, and in your head and your heart, it's like, you know, it's like, I have no idea where I'm at in this progression now. Like I have no idea what's going on. It's not your but fault as a coach either. And it's like, right. And again, that's that could tough, be just right? Like, and you don't want to say like, Hey, like let's not work together anymore because like you are still the best thing for that athlete. It's just right. like, it's, it's sometimes it's having a tough conversation. And sometimes it's just like the person's lifestyle. It's like, unless they make a major change or something, it's not going to, you know, shake right. out. So and, yeah, and again, but, it could be just simply revisiting the conversation being like, Hey, you said you wanted five days a week of workouts and these were your goals, but you really only come in three times per week. Like, why don't we just go to a three time per week workout schedule yep. and reset our goals? And more often than not, I have that conversation with people in there. They almost, they almost don't even realize that's an option. Like, uh, you know what? I guess you're right. Like, yeah. I do only make it in three times per week, yeah. but I digress again, the for me, the ideal client is again, someone who's super, you know, takes her, takes her training seriously, um, is coachable and, um, you know, is, has goals in mind. Like I have a, I have a client that just popped in my head who had never once when I was working with him had a CrossFit goal. His goal was to make it to the military. Yeah. You know, he was a, he was a, if I remember correctly, he was an engineer looking to get out of his office job and wanted to go into to the military. And so they had a physical fitness test and it, for those of you that don't know, and I think it was the Marines he was going into, it's like pull-ups, 
uh, a mile run and sit-ups or something like that and push-ups maybe. And so we had to build those numbers. And so, you know, I was way more targeted than a, than a CrossFit athlete, but what was fun about it was like, he was so diligent about getting his workouts in and, you know, what he was super coachable. Like in the beginning, yeah. he'd like get really hard on himself if he missed a day or wasn't feeling good. But I'd have a conversation like, Hey, don't beat yourself up. You know what I mean? It's like missing one day is not going to kill you beating yourself up about missing that day is, and, and he, and he was like, you know what, you're right. And boom, he was better the next day. Right. And so folks like that are ones that are super fun for me to work with. Yeah. Yeah. So many people are like, have that high achieving mindset and <laughs> I I've had athletes do that same thing, like get, really beat themselves up if they like are they miss a lift in their, their session or, you know, the, the, the piece just didn't go as well as they were hoping for, or like whatever. Right. And I'm like, I'm writing training right now. That is like hard. Like I'm like, mm-hmm. you always say like, you're riding the line, right? Like, that's what I'm thinking yeah. about is like, I'm trying to get you as close to that ceiling as like, Hey, if it's a bad day, you're not going to maybe hit these numbers, but if it's like a good day, like, yeah, you're going to hit everything. You're going to feel good. It's like, that's, that's what we're kind of figuring out. Like we want you to have as many good days as possible. So mm-hmm. yeah, th- that's super cool. I mean, when, if I think about a client like that, it's sort of, you know, it, it's almost like CrossFit and that it's just concurrent training, right? Like you're doing a couple yep. different things at once and you're having mm-hmm. to figure out how to balance those different progressions. Like you have one progression for a mile run. You might have one progression for doing, you know, a max set of unbroken pull-ups. Um, and you have to figure out how those two are going to interplay. In that case, it's probably not a whole lot of interference, but you know, sure. something else. Right. But it's like, yeah, it's, it's fun to figure out those, those situations. All right. So in the same vein of that question before, in terms of ideal client, similar question, some people probably think it's the same. It's not. What would you consider to be the type of athlete that you coach best or that you are the best coach for? Yeah. So I think right now, the, the athlete I've had the most experience with in relation to CrossFit, I think is the athlete that is relatively competitive, can compete at a relatively high level, but is not like your semifinal level athlete at this time. I think I'm, I think I, I, I don't want to give myself too much credit, but I think I have this definitely the skill necessary to coach one of those athletes. It's just not someone who's come across my path yet. Um, but those are the folks where it's like, Hey, we're uh, a high level local competitor. We've done, uh, we've competed at, you know, some higher level competitions, but we're not, you know, qualifying for the semifinals, right? We're quarterfinals level athlete, somewhere around there. Maybe we're still developing skills, um, whether it be gymnastics or weightlifting. And so I think those are the athletes, the intermediate level athletes are the ones that I tend to, to work the most with. And uh, I have a lot of fun working with those athletes because, you know, at the bottom level, right. Someone who's relatively new, let's be honest, you could throw almost anything at them and they're going to get better. Right. The top level athletes, like the elites of the elites, you're looking to find 1% or half a percent to get them better. And, you know, it's tough because you might, you honestly might not know if you've got them there until six months down the road. And then it's just like, 
oh no, that progression didn't work or, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But for the athletes in the middle, it's really cool because you have to be very pointed in the progressions that you build out. You have to be very thoughtful about, uh, what strength progressions you use, what movements you're going to do, uh, what drills you're using to build positions. You have to be, uh, you know, pay attention that and be humble enough that when a workout comes out, like this year was a great example in the open, you know, my athletes did relatively really well in workouts one and three, and we universally, except for maybe one athlete struggled in workout two. And uh, when I went and looked back, it was like, you know what, we, we deadlift a ton, but we don't do a ton of, um, you know, light moderate to light deadlifts in workout. And we, or we didn't this past year. And I think that's what kind of slowed us down. So I, you have to be humble enough to look at that and, and reassess. But again, it's, you still get to see the successes every couple of months, right? It's like, okay, I can build out a 12 week cycle and we still see the PRs because they're intermediate level athletes. Right. And so, um, yeah, yeah, I really enjoy coaching those folks and they're super appreciative too. I think when they hit those new milestones, because it's like, oh, I've been doing CrossFit for three, four years and I'm still able to hit a PR. Like that's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it takes somebody who's fairly humble to say like, oh man, like across the board, we didn't do great on workout 22 too, but yeah, like not blame. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but like not, also not be like, uh, like, you know, it's just because, you know, we're running strength progression. So I'm not going to give them a huge amount of volume and barbell cycling, like, which is probably mm-hmm. true. And maybe that's why, but rather than using that as like an excuse, like being like, okay, how can we do this better moving forward? Is I mean, yeah, I think that's a pretty good perspective to have. Yeah, no, I I think what you're saying is probably a pretty common theme. I think every coach, whether they'd admit it or not, has like a a demographic of athlete that's best for them, who who they can serve best, and they really enjoy working with. Where it's like, and that might shift over time, right? Um, but like, you know, personally, I don't think. I had Dame Munoz on the show and she started with me when she was completely fresh, had never done any CrossFit. And she started with me as a remote coach. I personally, she, she said that she wouldn't do it differently. Second time. That was her words. But I, I can't say that. Like, I think that I'm the best coach for like the complete beginner novice. Like I would say probably like you're better off working with a coach that you can be in person with, who can give you real time. hundred percent. hundred percent. So it's just like a real challenge. So like for me, I have a hard time like bringing back some of the jargon and things. Like I have a hard time weeding all that out of my language. So for like someone who's like, you know, they've been around a while, they understand some of the fitness lingo. Like I don't have to explain what an AMRAP <laughs> is to them, right? Yeah. Like that kind of thing. Like I think at that point, like you, it just like again, maybe this is across the board too. It's like I think you can probably have a remote coach and sees good success from that because you're not such a be complete beginner. You can be somewhat independent. So like, I think a lot of like that intermediate and up is like really like right in our sweet spot right now. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think it's a number of things. I think it's one is like your remote coach, you know, the systems that you have in place, the style of programming that you write, like the type of athlete that you like working with. Like, I think all that kind of plays into that. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you, this is another thing. I don't know if we've talked about this specifically, but do you have certain like benchmarks that you find yourself giving to athletes a lot? 
Um, yeah. I mean, for a client who's brand new, uh, brand new, someone I've never worked with before, you know, I'll have, I'll, I always have certain benchmarks that I look like to look at. I look to look at one rep max testing. So, you know, your snatch, your clean and jerk, your back squat, front squat, deadlift, stuff like that. Um, you know, I'll look, that's one end of the spectrum on the other end of the spectrum. I'll generally look at like a half hour row, uh, and a half hour bike, you know, and then kind of progress down the continuum. So I might do a 2k row as well, a 10, a 10 minute bike, you know, maybe a 10 second bike sprint, you know, try to look at high end power. And then I'll look at, you know, maybe some barbell cycling work. So whether that be, you know, 30 snatches for time at a certain percentage, or, Hey, we're going to do, you know, grace at 185. I also also look at like gymnastics density um, and kind of judge that based on where they're at for a relatively newer person, or maybe someone who doesn't have as strong gymnastics. I might say, Hey, let's just do a max set of chest bars. Right. And it might come out to like 10, let's just say. Right. But for someone who is like, I know is like, all right, this person's probably going to can do 50, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 unbroken chest bars, like asking them to do a max set is, is irrelevant. Yeah. And so for, for those folks, it might be, you know, putting that in a, a, a sports specific Metcon format and using that as a tester. And then, or like send me your qualifier videos, that sort of thing. Exactly. Um, or, maybe instead of a max set, it's like, all right, we're doing three minutes for max reps of toes to bar or whatever the case is. Um, and then I always try to do some sort of sports specific, like I said, CrossFit style conditioning piece to, to lay a baseline. So it might be one of the girl workouts might be like Helen or Nancy or Jackie, just, just to name a few, but yeah, as the athletes get more advanced, I don't re- normally use, I'll use some of those things, especially obviously the strength numbers, as well as like the, the, the cyclical numbers. Um, but as we progress in our coaching relationship, I'll find other things to basically leverage as testers, right? So we said like 22.2, right? Let's say I had an athlete that did, did really poorly on that. Yeah. Well, they already what? have a that's, baseline. That's now a benchmark, right? Yeah. For us, because we know we struggled with that. And then if I can pinpoint this, the aspects of that you struggled with, whether it was, oh, you know what, our breathing just isn't good on a bar facing burpee, or our breathing isn't good on a deadlift, or the combination of the hinging, the double hinging movements really got us or whatever the case is. And then I'll build out a progression on that. And then we'll retest it six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks later. Right. And so, yeah, it's a long winded way to say, yes, I have specific benchmarks that I use. But then as the relationship progresses, those benchmarks and what we might be looking at mold and shift based on what that athlete needs at that time. Yeah, man, right on. I think, I think the testers have to change based on athlete level, like not all of them, right? Like you're still going to have probably like, you know, maybe you don't have a beginner work to a max snatch, right? If they're a true beginner, but like you still might have them like, Hey, work to a heavy back squat and see what it looks like sort of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're, it's probably smart to give like a bunch of athletes similar looks when you're testing, but then like mm-hmm. also get more specific with an athlete based on what they are coming to you to basically fix, right? Because no one, mm-hmm. typically people aren't hiring a coach because everything's going perfectly well, right? It's like typically right. they have some frustration 
Like if you're making the progress that you want to make on your own, you're not going to hire a coach. <laughs> it's right. like when you're like, right. man, like I cannot figure out this ring muscle up. All right. I'm going to hire mm-hmm. a coach to help me figure out this process and to organize my training. Right. It's like, right. When you're trying to figure out and help an athlete troubleshoot a specific capacity they have maybe, or, you know, typically with skill, you're just going to do video review. So typically it's more capacity based. Um, mm-hmm. That's when you sort of like either use like these testers that you've used on other athletes. So you can do sort of a side-by-side comparison, like, Hey, this is this, what this semifinals hopeful girl is doing right now. So if you want to get to a semifinal, you're going to have to probably be at least at this level on a tester yeah. like this, right? You can start to draw yeah. those comparisons. Or you could do it where you have an athlete and you're comparing them against themselves. So for example, mm-hmm. you create a, a custom tester for an athlete who, you know, you've likely have never done this for another athlete before you like make up a, a movement combination that, you know, is going to be, you know, the exasperate the problem that's going to be. And then you again, build a curve progression around that and then retest it and see where they're at. So yep. Do you tend to bias one of those two where it's like more so universal things where I compare you against other people and compare you against the, the pool of data that's already out there, or maybe that, that you have or that we have, uh, versus mm-hmm. like creating custom testers for athletes. Um, I think, I think it depends. Uh, that's the classic answer when it comes to coaching. I think it depends. Um, I think for an elite level athlete, you tend to look more at the field because you need to know what aspects kind of where they need to be. And so it, that might be like, let's call it 60, 40, right? You look at the, uh, okay, this is what's, ex- this is what's required of someone who's a semifinal athlete, right? Yeah. For people who are, are a little bit lower than that, I would say for me, it might be like seven, it's way more testers for the individual, right? And it, it's way more of like, Hey, you know, we are no good at this. So we are going to test this and we are going to build progressions off of this. And then we're going to retest this. Yeah. Because in in my opinion, right. If we have something you're not good at and I can build out a progression to get you better at it, you're going to improve on the leaderboard. Like the leaderboard's an afterthought at that point. Yeah. It's, it's as a result of the, of, of the progress you're doing here. And even if you don't, let's say you don't get higher on the leaderboard. Well, that doesn't affect your improvement here. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you don't improve on the leaderboard, not because you didn't improve, but, but you know, other, other people factors. just got better at, uh, other people just got better at that. You know, and, and they were already a little bit better than you at that. And so, you know, but that doesn't take away the fact that you PR'd your back squat by 20 pounds this year, or like, you know, you improved your time in this workout by a minute and a half. Like, it's like, so I would say the vast majority of what I look at is, okay, this tester is specific. We're measuring or trying to measure this skill or this physical aspect. And we're doing that because this is something, frankly, you're not that great at. And so we need to improve on that to get to where you eventually want to go. Yeah, I would totally agree. I mean, that's almost exclusively what I do for almost all my athletes, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, we can look at like, man, you didn't do great in this workout in quarterfinals. Why isn't that the case? Give me your subjective feedback to that. Figure out like, you know, how did, how did you feel when you were in the middle of that workout? But like, even then that's subjective at best. A lot of the times, like mm-hmm. why you blew up in a chest bar workout, like 
it's hard to know exactly if that's accurate versus like mm-hmm. if we take, you know, an AMRAP of five minutes of chest bar or a hundred for time, right. And you were eight twenty one, and now you're six twelve. It's like, man, you are going to be doing better in a chest bar workout. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, there's just no way around it. Like if you improve that much, like you're going to improve versus something else. Right. So it's super right. objective. And I think if nothing else, like you can just point to, to that progress as the coach and be like, this is how far we've come. Like, it's very measurable. Like we're yeah. not measuring you in terms of like, for example, if you're looking at like a leaderboard where you get that frequency of like once a year, you get a, a quarterfinals leaderboard and it's like, Hey, you will, you want from, you know, 612th to 579. It's like, man, it's pretty hard to say is that was, you know, or is your fitness that much different? Right. Like, right. It, they could be dramatically better in fitness. And last year was just more of a, a hip dominated testing body. And now it's around the shoulder and you're a female who hasn't done a lot of contractions around the shoulder in your life. Like yep. you could be like 20% better and it shows you just had this tiny improvement on the leaderboard. So I yep. think it's super helpful to have those type of testers where you can be like, you got this much better and because we ran this progression for this movement. And it's like, that is super like helpful for the athlete, in my opinion. Yeah. hundred percent. Because again, right. Especially in this sport, it's it, what's asked and tested is ever changing. Right. And so you could look like a dynamo one year and, and the next year feel like, oh man, I didn't get any better. Or I barely got better. And it's like, you look at the testing body and it's like, man, you know, you're, you're, you're six foot four. And this entire year was squatting, right? Like it was, let's just say it was all thrusters and this, that. and it's like in an open format, like, sorry, like you're not going to do as well as someone who, who's of equal fitness level and five, five, like, it's just, it is what it is. There's a reason Vikowski doesn't win all the qualifiers. Yeah. And so like, not, not to get that, go down that <laughs> rabbit hole, but mostly, yeah. mostly just saying, mostly just saying like, if there's a, a, you know, a qualifier that doesn't go as well as you want. Right. But you can look back and be like, you know what? My fitness has improved. These just weren't great workouts for me. It doesn't stop you from wanting to improve, but it just gives you a dose of reality that like, you know what? One qualifier doesn't uh, dictate the progress of your entire year. So that, and that's why it's important to, to have um, kind of those individual markers and something I've, kind of used sporadically is uh, I like to have my athletes focus on the persistent pursuit of progress because you can always progress in some aspect. And it's when people start comparing or looking at what other people, how other people got to where they got. And this, that, and the other thing where people start to doubt themselves or feel badly about their journey when it's like, I like to tell, I like to say also like better is better. Like if you got better, then it's, it's better. So let's focus on those aspects as opposed to, you know, the things that maybe are not as, uh, as objective to measure. Totally agree. Like find the ways that you can point to wins in the training, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. guarantee, like your athletes are getting better. Like let's show them that they are. Yeah. Cool, man. Thanks for doing this today, man. I know we could talk for a long time about <laughs> training. I mean, you can see what we're, we're passionate about. Where can people find you and reach out to you if they got questions for you? Yeah. Um, so you can reach out to my newly minted Zor email address, chris at zorfitness.com. Um, yes. on Instagram, um, at C hard, 
C underscore hard underscore fit. Those would be the main two spots uh, that you could probably reach out to me is, you know, through Instagram or, you know, email. Yeah. And when this airs, you will have your own page on the website. People can check out that. I'll make sure to link to it. So go check out Chris's page. You can learn a little bit more about him there. And yeah, you're taking clients. So if if you're interested, reach out to Chris. Let's make it happen. Sweet, man. Thanks for doing this today. You got it, Ben. Hey, it's Ben again. Thanks for listening today. To be completely honest, it's been really rewarding to have people who listen to the show regularly reach out to me, whether they have a question about training or just to say, hey. So if you haven't done that yet, do it. I'm pretty good about getting back to people and you can feel free to email me, ben at sorefitness.com or message me on Instagram at sorefitness. And graciously, I've had some people reach out to me and ask how they can support the show. Number one way that you can support the show if you are a regular listener is just by rating the show. Most apps have a platform where you can actually rate it and on Apple Podcasts, you can write a review as well. This is super helpful in having other coaches and athletes find the podcast, but also just having it grow and for me to continue to want to put out more and more content. Also, I'm going to be posting more full episodes of the Fitness Movement to our YouTube channel. So if you're someone who actually enjoys seeing my face when I talk, you can head over to YouTube and subscribe if you please. And if you're someone who is watching on YouTube, you have the ability to like our videos, but then you can also comment on the video if you have questions about the episode or if you want to suggest a topic for a future episode. And lastly, if you're someone who really does value what we're putting out, I would encourage you to hire a coach. For me, coaching is the bulk of my job and it's what I believe I do best. So if you're an athlete or a coach looking to up your fitness game, be sure to reach out. You can message me on Instagram at Zora Fitness or email me ben at ZoraFitness.com. Thanks again for listening today. And as always, stay the course.